Today is going to be kind of an evangelistic message. I wanted, and I wanted to entitle it, Learning to Enjoy God When You're Born Into His Family. But I also want to entitle it, Learning to Enjoy God by Being Born Into His Family. Because I realize there might be some people here today that don't have faith in Jesus, who haven't trusted God for their salvation, who, who are maybe searching and asking some question, is there a God? Did he send his son, Jesus? Is God really love? Is God really for me? What's his nature? What is salvation? How can I be saved? Those kind of things. So we're going to go back and forth on both of those today. So I want you to hear both of those. For those who have already received salvation, have trusted God, have believed the gospel, I want you to enjoy the fact that you've been called into God's family. For those who haven't and maybe are feeling isolated, maybe feeling disconnected, maybe feeling like you want to be part of a church who loves God and loves others, I pray that today is the day of your salvation, that you really see God for who he is and see Jesus Christ for who he is. Because even as I'm sitting here this morning and I see each person walk in, my heart was just saying, I love these people. I love these people. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. You know, my daughter, Kira, she's like overexcited about family. She... If that's possible, I'm saying that just to make a point. She loves family day. She loves family hugs, like we do the four-way hug. She's all about that family four-way hug. She loves family movie night. Every Friday night, I try to throw in an 80s movie because I feel like I need to bring my children into the 80s. Because to me, because that was my heyday, the 80s when it all happened. You understand? Sunglasses with an orange side. Tight rolled our pants before hipsters even knew what a tight roll was. You know what I'm saying? So she loves everything about family. When we ask her to pray, she says, Lord, thank you for my family. I want to take her somewhere. She's like, we have to do this with the whole family. We're like, Kara, we can see this movie. No, you need every piece of the puzzle. And the whole family has to. I love that excitement about her. I love that she loves that she's born into this family that she adores. I pray today that many of us might already have that same excitement for Restoration Road, for the Church of God, for the local expression here. I pray that we grow in that, that maybe some of us realize what we have here. In a world where people are more isolated than they've ever been, in a world where people are more lonely than they've ever been, in a world where people are more lost than they've ever been, that you feel at Restoration Road, you feel that joy that people love me here, even though I'm a filthy sinner. That my identity is not found in my performance or how I dress or what costume or mask I wear today. My, my identity is found that Jesus came for me while I was still a sinner. And that each and every one sits us here is a sinner that comes here to rejoice in the grace of God. That God is love and he took our place. That's our identi identity. A sinner saved by grace. That's what you've been incorporated into the family of God with this deep love, with this deep acceptance where there's an awesome Savior. So that's what I want you to really revel in and enjoy today. Enjoy that you have a family in a place where many people don't have a family. Some of you may be a fatherless, a motherless, a brotherless, a sisterless. And God has brought you fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers in the body of Christ. And I want us to really enjoy that today. So let's turn to Psalm 68, 1 through 6 says, God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, 
and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before them, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. I want us to hear these two verses. The father of the fatherless and the protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Something that will steal your joy. Let's start here. You will not be happy if you isolate yourself. See, something happens to us. We're born into this world. And because we're made in the image of God, we have a deep desire to be connected in community. We're constructed for community. And let me help you understand this theologically first so you understand. Everyone's heard of the doctrine of the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're three, yet they're one, and probably the most mysterious doctrine in the Bible. They were the perfect community before the world even existed. They were the perfect community before God even decided to create the earth. However, that looks like God's world. They perfectly loved each other. They were perfect. There was no divide. There was no division. There was no arguments. There was no breakups. This was a perfect community. So when God decided to make us, said, let us make man in our image, talking about the Trinity, that means the way you and I are made is we long to be connected to other people. We long to be part of a community because we're made in the image of God. And he was in perfect community. So when we're born in this world, we have all these expectations, right? You're just so happy. Like, I want people. I love being around people. People are awesome. But what happens year by year? Aren't that awesome? You're about seven years old. And you're like, I don't even want to go to school. What's wrong with people? We get older and older and we experience rejection. And we realize that we're sinners and that people are sinners. So we start to go to school and realize sometimes we're accepted and sometimes we're not. Sometimes to be accepted, we say, oh, that person's accepted. So I got to make myself like them. So then we put on a mask and we're in this group and we're like, I'm so miserable. Because I cannot be myself. Like, and that just happens to us. And we're like, man, sometimes we give up totally on people, right? In Boston, we give up on people. Like, it's like, my father has a rule, and my father, God bless him, I want to honor my father. He's self-admittedly the most selfish person who ever walked the earth. Joey, five friends. I count my friends on my hand. And it includes, like, his mom, his sister, and his brother. He's like, I got five friends, that's all I need in my world. Because he shuts them off. There's a bad look, you don't call him when he wants you to call him, something goes wrong, you're done. We isolate, we pull away, we shut down, we isolate. Isolation is not just you. You can isolate to a community of people who isolate. And you can all just be loners. And that really hurts you as an image bearer of God. Because you weren't made to function like that. We all realize something's wrong. You know, in Proverbs 18.1, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. There's a root of selfishness there. Because when, you know, when you're alone, 
everyone's doing what you want them to do. Right? I love this. Nothing is out of place. There's no challenges. No one said something I didn't like. I love my world. But God calls us out of that into a community where we're all sinners and we're all forgiving each other and we're all loving each other because that's what Christ did for us. Because sometimes we have the wrong response when we're hurt or we're rejected. We say, I'm going to be alone. That's it. I've been wronged. I'm isolating myself. But God says, no, forgive and run into community and love like I loved. That's very hard, guys. Forgiveness is hard, isn't it? Forgiveness is hard. You're so prideful. I mean, I am, I know. It's like, they don't deserve my forgiveness. I told them five times and they did it again. How many times have we sinned against God? Please, you can't count it. Every day. We can't even imagine, we can't even fathom our sins and our transgressions against our Maker. Yet while we were still sinners, God who is love sent the Son who is love to die for us and to save us. He rose again, defeating Satan, sin, and death. So I call to you today, if you're someone who isolates envy, if you're someone who's given up on people, the gospel doesn't allow that because Christ never will, never has given up on us. For the first time in a while, I went to visit someone in prison this week. And it's weird because I get comfortable in the weirdest places. Like, I get uncomfortable, like, a, a normal functions. I'm like, who do I talk to? What do I do? You put me on 8,000 people, I'm perfectly comfortable. You set me in a regular function area, I'm like, what do I talk? How do I say? Is this long enough? i got to move on. Like, I don't, I'm comfortable going to prison. I pull up the prison, they do the metal detector, I get on the bus, I'm up at the bus, I'm talking to people, let's do this. And I go to visit my friend who's in prison. So, I haven't been to prison for a while, and last time, honestly, last time I visited someone in prison, two times ago, was when my stepfather was in jail. And so it was kind of a Christmas thing where you can go and sit at tables. I sat at a table with my stepfather who was in jail, and I was young, I was a teenager, and went to visit him for Christmas. You give gifts and those kind of things. So I was expecting that I was going to sit at a table with somebody. They gave me a number and said, this is your booth. You're going to talk to the phone like the movies. I said, yeah, i got to read. Just my thinking. I thought I was going to a table. I thought this was going to be a different uh, experience. But I didn't realize it was going to evoke so many emotions in me. As you watched 10 to 15 men come up to see their brothers and their mothers and their sisters and their brothers. And you know what really messed with me, what really broke my heart? You could see the hands of kids, and I'm sure moms and dads, on the glass to touch their loved ones. But there was a bulletproof glass there. And I spent 45 minutes talking to my friend. And we fist pumped through the glass. That's how dudes do it. You can't be doing this like a dude, you do this. You know there's truth there. That's hidden law. And so we talked for 45 minutes. At the very end, the part that moved me the most, and I pray that moved him, is I said to this person, I said, listen, because he's been to this church a few times. I said, listen, we miss you. I said, George misses you. I said, Dave misses you. I said, Joe Beck misses you. 
I said, I'm going to tell everyone else, and I named a few names. I said, I'm going to tell them that you're doing good and that you'll be all because <coughs> we're like family. And I want you to know that. That you have a family that's waiting for you. You don't have a family that's judging you. We don't have a family who you went to prison, you don't come back to church. You have a family that's waiting for you. And when I got up and I said goodbye, the guy next to me who was visiting his son, he's probably in his 50s or 60s, says, is that your brother? Because he saw the way we were relating to each other. He said, is that your brother? I said, no, I'm his pastor. <laughs> no one ever pins me as a pastor. <laughs> and the guy just kind of looked like, you know, and, and kind of moved on. But the reason I share that story is because we're not meant to be behind bulletproof glass. Even us trying to reach through, we're trying to touch each other, we're trying to connect with each other, we're trying to be there for each other. And let me tell you the good news, good news today. Jesus Christ came and he shattered that bulletproof glass. So there's no wall now between God and man and between us as, as neighbors and as brothers and as sisters to each other. You know, sometimes wrongly, theologically, we believe that everyone's a child of God. And I want to help you understand this today because I understand the sentiment behind it. Yes, we all are human beings. We're all created by God, all those kind of things. But the Bible does not say everyone's a child of God. It actually says the contrary. And I'm going to say some heavy stuff here, but I don't want to... Sometimes we have the knee-jerk reaction when we hear stuff because we don't really understand the implications and think through it. What did Jesus constantly say to the Pharisees, the people who were the religious leaders, like your priests, your pastors, these were the religious leaders who crucified the Son of God. What did he constantly say to those guys? He said, you don't even know God, because if you knew God, you'd see me. Who did he say their father was? Now, this is going to ruffle feathers. He said, your father is Satan. Now, that messes everybody up when you say it, right? Everyone's like, here we go. They're talking about Satan in church. But I want you to help understand why, why Jesus said that. Now, Satan was not their creator. Satan was not their God. But Satan was the father because they were acting just like Satan. Now, let me help you understand this. It was not enough for Satan to be, and we believe in angels, and we believe in a spiritual world, because God teaches us that through Scripture. So that's reality to me. The reason Satan fell, the reason he was cast out of heaven, because it wasn't enough for him to be a worshiper of God. It wasn't enough for him to say, God is awesome. God is the Savior. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. You know what he said? I want to be God. It's not enough for me to be a worshiper of God. I want people to worship me. His pride said, I know good and evil. I will make the call. And you know what happened with Satan and the sad story is? He made that decision. And let not only, he led not only many angels with him, but he's led many people with him. So when Jesus says your father is sating, what he's saying, you're acting just like your daddy. Has anyone had a father have a bad habit and people say, you're just like your father? And you're like, don't you talk to me like that. When, when Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, you're acting just like your daddy because your daddy rebelled against me. Your daddy said, I want to stay in this sin. Your daddy said, I want to be God. Your daddy said, I want to do what I want to do. Your daddy rebelled against me and led people against me and did wicked things against me and had wicked thoughts. Therefore, that's your father. That's why it says, not everyone's a child of God because some people follow that path of wickedness. Some people follow that path of being their own God. 
Some people follow that path, say, this sin is too good. I cannot put this sin down. They go like the rich man, right? The rich man said, I believe in God. He was excited about Jesus. But he said, now, there's nothing wrong with riches. But if you worship riches, there's something wrong with it. He said, he knew and riches was an idol to this rich man. So he said, you believe in me, and you're asking me what to do. Sell all your riches, give them to the poor, and follow me. Do you know what that guy said? My riches are too good. I love them too much to give that up. He chose not to follow Jesus because he loved his wealth more than he loved God. You guys hear what I'm saying there? There are people who are not children of God because they've chosen not to be children of God. Not because God said, you're not my child. God calls us through the gospel, come into my family. Be born again. Enjoy the grace of God. Put your faith in me. But some people, just like Satan, say, I don't want that. Does that make sense to everybody? I just want to be clear because sometimes we have knee-jerk reactions. But what I do want to make sure un everyone understands here is everyone can be part of God's family because the invitation is open. That's the grace of God. There will be not one person that stands before God who will say, God, you didn't, you didn't invite me. They'll understand that they rejected him. That's heavy, right? That's heavy, but we need to talk about those things for health of our soul and the health of our minds. So I want you to understand theologically how we are incorporated into the family of God because not everyone's a child of God. The Bible teaches that we're at enmity with God, that we're born as sinners, sinners by nature and sinners by choice. You see that in kids all the time, right? The kids want to listen. They don't want to honor their parents. It's broken. We transgress from the time we're born. We're born with a nature that does not want to submit to God. You all know that deep down. I don't even have to go to scriptures for that because you're just restless. Like, I don't want to do it. We're born sinners by nature and by choice. Therefore, it's the Bible says we're at enmity with God. That means we hate God. And let me unpack that for you because we're too sentimental in this culture. Remember, love is not a word, love is not a thought, love is an action, right? Just because you think God's good, and I have some good thoughts and some good feelings, but if my life is totally contrary to following Jesus, I hate God's teachings. I hate them. I, I, I'm opposed to them. But God does something glorious. Because we were enemies, he calls us to be friends and family the work of Jesus Christ because we could not do it on our own. He sent his son while we're still sinners and that's an important point because many people think that we were some good people down there. God had to send no help the good people. No, everyone was wicked. God is love and because of his free grace and his free love, he sends his son to die, to do, and I want to really walk through the gospel here. Has anyone ever tried to do what was right for like three days? How'd you do? Still trying, right? Okay. In order to be accepted and in favor with God, you would have to live a perfect life in attitude, in thought, in action. Love your neighbor perfectly. Because that's how we were created before we fall, fell. You would have to execute life perfectly. I'm talking winner every day, just like good attitude. Boom, boom, right to sit, boom, boom. Here we go. Moving on. Bring on Tuesday. 
you would have to perfectly live to be accepted by God because he's that holy. He's not like partially holy and this guy's kind of good, you know. you got to be perfect to be accepted by God. You know what happened? Adam failed. The first man created failed. His son failed. His son failed. Their daughters failed. And on and on through generation, everyone gets into this life and they fail. They fall short of the glory of God. And to lie to ourselves and say we're not in that class, we're delusional. We've all fallen short. God looks down on his love and says, there's only one who can do this. Jesus. Born into this world. Every situation, every attitude, every thought, the way he treated his neighbor, the way he worshipped even his father and reveled in his father. It's perfect. He lives 33 years. I'm 37. I haven't done a week pure. I haven't done a week sinless. 33 to 36 years, however you see history. Lives perfectly. And just show you how this world is full of wicked people. You think if we got a perfect person, right? We'd love him, right? We worship him. This guy's got to be president of the world. We kill him. That shows you our hearts, right? That our sinful nature. God comes perfect and we kill him. You know why? We don't want our darkness brought into the light. We don't want a perfect person telling us our sins unless we want to repent of them. So he comes to die. He lives a perfect life. He goes to that cross. You know how we talk we've been sinners since birth? There's a lot of sin to be punished in here, is there not? I mean, how many years and generations we have even in here? There's a lot of sins that deserve punishment. Who takes the punishment? Jesus. On that cross, he takes our place, God's own son. Every filthy sin you and I have ever committed. On the son of God. And you know what we get by faith and by grace? That perfect life that was there. It's called the imputation of righteousness. That when you believe in Jesus, his perfect life that was lived was imputed to you. So when God looks at you, he doesn't see the filthy sinner. He sees his son's perfect life. So now you are righteous, and now you can pray, and now you can worship, and now you're saved, and now you're in the family of God. Doesn't that blow your mind? That never gets old. I've been preaching that for 18 years, and I felt like I just figured out that this morning. Like, it's that fresh. It's that beautiful. And even more, a perfect God is a father to the fatherless and protector of widows. Have you met guys that think they're perfect? No one can live up to their standards. My group's small because I'm righteous and you're not righteous. How could a holy God be for the poor? How could a holy God be for the homeless? How could a holy God be for the widows? How could a holy God be for the fatherless and the motherless? Because he's love in a way we couldn't even understand. He actually loves being called the father of the fatherless. So I like the UFC. One of my favorite parts in a fight is when the fighter's kind of bouncing and they're calling his name. And they say, they give the nickname, right? And these guys love it. Carlos, the natural born killer, calling it. And this guy's like, I am a killer. I'm a killer. And they keep going, Rhonda, rowdy. And, and she's just like, I am rowdy. They love that nickname because it, it helps tell their character and who they are. And if John Coughlin made it today, he's been asking me to do a WWF reference from the 80s. I was going to bring in the Macho Man.
Because I don't know a Randy Savage. I know the macho man. But he missed out. God revels in a much more glorious way. God, Father of the fatherless almighty. He loves being called the Father of the fathers. That's your God. That's my God. He loves being called the protector of widows. He loves calling a provider for the poor and bring shelter to the homeless. He loves that. That's your God. That's my God. He revels in taking, and this is the verse I want you to hear, he takes the solitary and gives them a home. Other translations of this say, he takes the lonely and gives them a family. He takes the broken and he restores them. Many of us, the truth is, we're all broken in some capacity. Now, some of us are fatherless, some of us are motherless, some of us are sisterless, brotherless, some of us are friendless. But all of us are broken. And all of us were lost. And all of us at times were in isolation. But where the joy comes in is that God called us from this isolation, the lonely, and he brings us into his family. Is that awesome? Now, when I was talking to my kids during family worship this week, we talked about this passage. And we said, you know, what's sad is, you know, we said, are there kids and friends in your school who don't have dads and don't have mommies? One of my um, daughter's friends, his mother OD'd, and his father left him from day one. Do you know that we should not only be praying for that kid, we should be making space to be a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless? And then, I mean, you just want to be sensitive to people. So then my other daughter said, someone's grandfather died, and they're so sad at um, school. She wanted to pray for him. And we begin to pray for the, fa the fatherless and the motherless and the people who are broken and people who are isolated. Because I want my kids to start cultivating that heart. Because God calls the broken into his family. Because he called us into his family. And please hear that because I want us to have eyes for that. Who can you be caring for that is isolated and God is using you as the vessel to bring them into God's family? And finally, there's different centered communities, right? We're, we call ourselves a gospel-centered community. Like, the center of everything we do in church is the, that God is love. He sent his son to die. He's given us the Holy Spirit to make us alive again. He's awakened us spiritually. That's the center of every conversation. That's the center of every message. That's the center of every song. That's the center of our Bible studies. That's the center of our meeting. That's the center of a lot of our conversation, even out at lunch. Now, there's other there's different centered communities. Like I've seen weed-centered communities. Anyone see the weed-centered community? You've probably been part of a weed-centered community. I was in high school. But some brothers took it too far, right? They pull off the belt, it's pipe, making a bong out of everything. But it's a weed-centered community. I'm telling you, these brothers, we're the pot leaves, it's the center. Every time you get together, what's the center of that community? 420 is the best part every day, and it's exciting every day. I don't know why. That's the center of your community. It makes you fellowship. It makes you happy. It brings you joy. That's what we do. I know people, they don't even know how to connect to people if they're not smoking a joint. You want to get together and smoke a joint? No, but take out the joint. Let's go out. Can't do that. Can't do that. 
because you mess with their center. You mess with what brings them joy. You mess with what they wake up to do, which brings them all the things that the gospel should bring. I've been part of alcohol-centered communities. Like, if there wasn't a keg in the middle, no one know what to do. What do you do? We talk to each other. Like, people don't know what to do. I saw one brother look at his beer, and he thanked the beer. Now, it was partially a joke, but there was too much truth in it. He's like, thank you for what you do for me. Seriously. He was like, you bring me so much joy. You change my life. You take my burdens away. What does that sound like? What the gospel should do. I'm an alcohol-centered community. Money-centered community. Brothers all have gold clips. You know what I mean? They find their identity and how high they get. I got money. Home in Florida. You know how I do. You admire me, don't you? Like just everything centered around money. And that's with communities and families. I've seen fun-centered families. Now, these things are fine. Not the weed. Or excessive alcohol drinking. These things are fine if they're secondary and third. Like this fun-centered families. You ever met these families? Nothing's ever serious. I'm <laughs> just having fun. Like, you haven't had a conversation. <laughs> What's fun? Let's schedule the day. It's going to be fun. It's a fun-centered family. Now, fun is good, but fun cannot be the center because you never get to the substance. This family-centered families. This is where the mafia comes from, right? It's all about family. Family does not start and end with family. Family is beautiful because God birthed that family, and a family should be worshiping God. Every family, every community should be a gospel-centered community. A family that revels in the work of Jesus. A family that forgives one another because of Jesus. A family that loves one another because of Jesus. A, a family that takes care of the poor because that's what Jesus did. A family that calls the broken because that's what Jesus did. When that's our center, when we're a gospel-centered community, we're living and operating the way God created us to operate. You guys hear that? God-centered community. That's what church is. What's the center? What brings us the greatest joy? What we enjoy is that we're a family that's been saved by Jesus. And it's not just Jesus. Jesus completed the work, but God the Father loved and he sent. Jesus came and died. The Holy Spirit empowered for resurrection and he empowers us for witness. The whole community of God worked and completed the gospel of our salvation that called us into a family. Do you guys hear that? One of the best things that happened was last week, and I still don't know if I'm saying this restaurant right. Is it Lido's? Okay. For some reason I thought, I went to Lido's in Lynn. Now I'm from Lynn, and uh, I've drove by Lido a million times and never went in. But we had some baptism, so we went to sit with some people and talk. And you've got to understand this community that was at this table to have pizza. This is a, a former weed community, a former alcohol community, a former immoral community. We sat down to talk about the gospel, and it was bugging everyone out in the best kind of way. I'm serious. We have dudes that, like, even Dennis showed up. You know, Dennis at Pawana, he walked in all tucked in. We had Dennis. It was Dennis, Danny, Jeff Bartow, Eric. Dave from Colorado just feels like he got thrown into the town. You know, like, he, he doesn't even know what to do. Dave's just, like, taking notes. Like, this place is crazy. And so we're sitting down, <laughs> and we're having pizza, and we're talking the gospel. And I could tell everyone was trying to kind of eat around us, but I was like, <laughs> oh, what is going on? 
But we were so happy. It was so fulfilling. Talking about the gospel and talking about what God's done in our life and talking about where we came from and talking about how awesome God was. It was one of the most fulfilling moments of fellowship I probably had in my life because I know where these guys came from. And I know that God took them out of isolation and called them into his family. It got so good. The waitress said, what is repentance? That's when you know the talk gets good. She was sitting there doing the check and she was like, what's repentance? Like she wasn't even in the conversation. She's like, my dad's been telling me to repent for years. Tell me what we're, so I'm telling the waitress what repentance is. That's how good that fellowship was. Because now we've been called out of isolation, all of us. And we've called to a family with a perfect savior and a perfect king and a perfect God. Is that wonderful? And I just want to close by saying this. If there's someone who hasn't put your faith in Jesus, if there's someone here who hasn't surrendered their life to Jesus, Today is the day to do it. Today's the day to do it. Today's the day to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe you. I love you. I want to come out of isolation and come into your family. All you got to do is believe and confess it with your mouth. Let today be the day that you believe. Restoration Road. I pray that you feel like you have a family here, honestly, because I feel like you guys are my family. I pray, I pray you feel loved. I pray that you feel cared for. I pray that you feel like the name of Jesus is lifted up here. And I am truly thankful and honored to be part of this family with you guys. Let's pray.